Humboldt. All right, welcome to Humboldt Last Week. My name is Miles Cochran. This is a way to hear some of the more memorable moments from Humboldt's last week of news. While you're getting stuff done, I know you're busy. Maybe while you drive, exercise, walk, work, relax, mow the lawn, anytime. Please do keep telling friends and like and share Humboldt Last Week on Facebook. Also, you can subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Connect in all the ways at HumboldtLastWeek.com. Thanks a bunch to the sponsors this week, Adventures Edge, your local outdoor store to help you get out and hike, bike, paddle, or climb. Located in Eureka next to Wendy's and in Arcata, north of the plaza, get in on the good deals and outdoor ideas on Facebook and Instagram. That's Adventures Edge. Also, Eel River Brewing coming up Saturday, June 24th, a party called Summer in the Triangle. That's from 1 to 7 p.m. on the 24th with three bands including Kindred Spirits... Also, local vendors, edibles, games, a tie-dye booth, and of course, delicious beer. Again, that's the 24th Summer in the Triangle. More details at eelriverbrewing.com slash summer. And then Bongo Boy Studio. If you're a recording artist, a filmmaker, or just someone with an audio project, Bongo Boy has been the go-to place in Humboldt County for over 15 years, offering state-of-the-art recording, tape archiving, and CD duplication. Give them a call at 839-5090 or go to bongoboystudio.com. All right, let's begin. Suspected child molester, Chad Smith. He's a former restaurant owner and substitute teacher. He's got a preliminary hearing that's been delayed to next month, according to Loco. Maybe you saw on North Coast News the suspect was reportedly in anger management on domestic battery charges. Other online sources indicated he was going through a difficult divorce. We'll follow that one. Marcy Kitchen, you know, who's accused of drunkenly running over and killing her teenage daughter and her daughter's friend while they were skateboarding outside of Fortuna. She's scheduled for a jury trial in November. According to Loco, Marcy's lawyer, Ben Oaken, told the judge she expects the trial and jury selection to last a month. If it does wrap up according to that timeline in November, it's going to be almost a year and a half after the tragic incident. That group of young murder suspects accused of luring a man out to Manila for a beatdown that led to his shooting death. They're going to go on trial in November as well, according to Loco. It's alleged the suspects believed the victim had molested a three-year-old girl, an allegation that was never legally proven. 20-year-old Tyson Kleros was shot four times and was left to die. Did you hear about this? A well-known homeless man was attacked in Garberville. Brian Tree Plimpton was sleeping in front of a church before a man reportedly hit him in the face with a heavy sign made out of metal. What? A friend of his told Kim Kemp he was bleeding and barely breathing, looked like he'd have a four-day hospital stay. And the guy has cancer and kidney problems, among other things. So, Commenters noted this guy really loves his dog, Sweet Pea. Someone was taking good care of her, at least. I mentioned that church in Garberville, the one the guy was sleeping in front of. You see it was on fire? Someone was possibly arrested for arson for that. More of that on KimKemp.com. There was that house burglar in Arcata who got away after shooting someone who busted him. Yeah, the victim chased the guy outside and got a non-life-threatening shot to the bicep. Not always a good idea to chase burglars who have guns. Hope the victim's okay. A local nonprofit keeps doing good work. They've got a drug test kit for fentanyl. Basically, dealers have been tricking users into buying this stuff, pawning it off as heroin or whatever else. It's much cheaper to make. Fentanyl is what killed Prince. 
If you know someone that could use these kits, they're available from Hatcher and Eureka. They also have Narcan, which can save people from overdosing. They're hoping these efforts reduce alarmingly high overdose rates here. I'll link Hatcher's info at HumboldtLastWeek.com. The Sheriff's Office honored Deputy Mike Stone, who passed away while on vacation. He has law enforcement experience dating all the way back to the early 70s. Had a brief break in there to own Rogers Market in McKinleyville. It's a good spot. I used to go there. Uh, in a release from the sheriff's office, they said they'll miss his humor, charisma, work ethic, and stories about the good old days. Well, that's not good news. Once again, Clam Beach, north of McKinleyville, was named the most polluted beach in California by a watchdog group called Heal the Bay. They say this may stem from nearby private septic systems along creeks, and officials are working to pinpoint the source. Lufenholtz Beach, just north of there, is the eighth most polluted on this list with similar issues, private septic systems. Loco shared these comments from the group's vice president. Basically, if you swim at an open ocean beach in the summer, stay away from storm drains, they say, and creek mouths, then you'll be aight. Definitely paraphrasing. Guarantee she did not say aight. What else? The sheriff's office had that press release where that Ferndale mom was arrested for attempted homicide after she was, quote, trying to remove the demons from her 11-year-old daughter. Totally fucked up. She allegedly bit, choked, and struck her with driftwood in front of people, like 11 to 12 people. Uh, the girl had severe damage to her right ear. Poor thing. Huge thank you goes out to the citizen John Marcial, who stepped into the daughter's defense. Probably saved her life. Seriously, hat tip. How about the county getting almost four million bucks of low income and low access kids can get dental work? It's definitely worth a toothy grin. Humboldt was the only rural county in the state to get these kind of dental dollars, fang funds, pearly white payments, tooth trust. That means uh, less permanent teeth lost. Tooth Fairy is shaking in her heels. After some asshat shot and killed one of those awesome zebras near Petrolia, a baby zebra was born. So little and adorable. It's awe-inspiring with two Ws. This zebra herd is back up to three. Loco had this one. I'll post a link to the story that has photos of the little one. So I don't know if you're on Reddit, but I loved this post on Reddit, Humboldt. It says, despite its problems, Humboldt County is amazing. I'll read it. It says, lived here for years, still finding beautiful places to visit and hikes we've yet to try. And most of these spots are dog friendly with hardly a soul around for miles. You can have an entire beach to yourself or a river, mountains, farmland, forests, birds, elk, and marine life. It's all here. Wish we had more amenities and fewer tweakers, but I can't deny the nature here is incredible and it never gets so hot that you cannot go outside on a summer's day. Damn right. Let's see. The sheriff's office arrested a wanted suspect out 36 after they grappled a bit. I saw those officers booking it down the 101 south of Eureka. This guy was spotted on the side of the road on 36. He ran, evaded the taser. They fought for several minutes, and then Deputy Filippini brought him in. Good work. I saw in redheaded black belt the suspect's car that he left behind there was lit on fire. They're investigating that as arson. What a mess. Uh, how the hell did those girls not seriously get hurt or die when they crashed into a fence on the way back to Ferndale from the beach? Redheaded Black Belt had the photos of this car. These girls crashed their rig into this fence. A huge board impaled the windshield through the car. Girls are going to be okay. Holy smokes. You can check that out at KimKemp.com. 
See, there was this one. A wanted criminal ran from cops in Eureka. It was a high-speed car chase. So guy hits a car, runs up onto the sidewalk. He's stopped there. Cop gets out of his car, has his gun out, and he's trying to get the guy to comply. So what does he do? Reportedly, he rammed the cop car a bunch of times and then tried to run the officer over. Guy eventually had to be tased. He's lucky he did not get shot. Guy's a sex offender and had domestic violence warrants. EPD is looking into reports of shots fired from a vehicle around the same time nearby, seeing if those incidents were related. Wow. Well, I'm definitely thankful hundreds in our community weighed in on last week's episode with their comments and votes. I asked, should policy allow a public servant to wear a Black Lives Matter pin on their uniform? Brought in about 200 votes. 78% said no. 22% said yes. More people did not want the pin. You know, not everyone shares the same opinion of what Black Lives Matter is or what it represents. Uh, I think decent people would agree the ultimate goal there would be for us to be able to look at any public servant in our community wearing a uniform and think, they'll help me just the same as my neighbor, no matter our looks, our, our beliefs. You know, it sucks some people don't feel that way. I think it would be nice if a policy-friendly, non-controversial pin existed that communicated to the community folks in uniform are aware of racial injustice. And maybe we'll get there one day. Before we jump into the main story, I want to say congrats to all the graduates out there. And in light of Father's Day, hat tip to all the good dads out there, including my own. Thankful and grateful every day to have been lucky enough to have a good dad. And my heart goes out to anybody that was not as lucky in that department. So much love and respect to those out there getting it done without a good dad. Wishing everybody the best. So let's jump into the main story this week. Okay, well, this is Humboldt Last Week, and I'm joined by North Coast Journal editor Thaddeus Greenson. Thanks for your time, Thad. Thanks for having me, Miles. Of course. So right now we're discussing the tragic stabbing death of 19-year-old HSU student David Josiah Lawson at a house party back in April. 23-year-old Kyle Zollner of McKinleyville was arrested for murder, and then a judge ruled there was not enough evidence to take his case to trial, and his charges went away. Now at least over 30 grand is available for information leading to the arrest and conviction of Josiah's killer. There were a number of fights that broke out at this party, possibly over a missing cell phone, and people can't seem to agree on a lot of things. They can't agree if racism played a role in the stabbing. Witnesses say there were people of color and white people in confrontations. Also, people can't agree on how these fights started, when and why mace was used, the words that were exchanged, whether or not someone was using the N-word, whether or not Kyle had a knife, and finally, whether or not Kyle was even conscious at the time of the stabbing. Some witness testimony indicated Kyle was beaten up by a few guys before Josiah was stabbed. Now, Kyle's family has been trying to pressure the cops and DA's office to press assault charges against those young men who they say hit Kyle. He's friends of Josiah's. Thad, in your coverage for the journal last week, you interviewed a law professor about how these additional assault charges against Josiah's friends would impact obtaining justice for Josiah. There were a couple of ways that could go. Is that right? Yeah, I, I interviewed uh, University of California Hastings professor David Levine, um, and he explained just that um, none of these things can really be seen in a vacuum, and they all kind of have to be taken in the greater context of everything that happened at this party and ultimately the, the homicide that resulted in uh, 
and Josiah Lawson's death. And so any decision that prosecutors or police make regarding other lesser offenses, assault charges and stuff like that, um, related to the people that were there that night, could impact ultimately their ability to successfully charge and prosecute whoever actually killed Josiah Lawson. I guess more specifically, he said, you know, there's a couple different strategies prosecutors could use in this case, and and one would just be to sit back and make no charging decisions until they decide, or until if and when they decide who they think is culpable for Lawson's death and charge that person. Um, And the other school of thought kind of is that they could try to file charges against everybody that they feel like they have evidence against of that they committed an offense, whether it be assault or something else and then try to leverage those charges into maybe more honest testimony um, or, or more honest statements about what happened that night. So basically one way you sit and wait and try to gather as much information as possible and then go, and then in the second way, you basically um, file any charges you can right away to try to bring up more testimony. Is that right? Exactly. So you would say that we don't know who killed uh, Lawson, but we feel like we know that these people committed assault. And so we're going to charge them with assault, and then we'll use those charges to kind of exert pressure on those people to try to get them to maybe offer more honest testimony or more honest statements about what they saw and what they heard that night. And it's a bit of a conundrum, right? Because if you do go that route, it could impact the ability to convict Josiah's killer. Is that right? Um, Absolutely. You know, there's definitely a a potential self-defense argument if Zollner is is recharged in the case, which he can be. Um, Obviously, he was involved in in some confrontations that night, and, um, you know, from just looking at his mugshot, you can tell he he was beaten up pretty badly. And so if they were to, you know, pursue assault charges against people who they feel like may have caused those injuries to Zollner, you know, but yet they ultimately decide that Zollner maybe committed the stabbing, or they feel like he did, um, those assault charges that they've already filed could kind of buttress a self-defense case or argument uh, for Zollner. And so it's, it's kind of a, a tricky situation for them to, to navigate. Yeah, there are no easy answers here. So Kyle Zollner's uncle, Jay, he read your article, and I asked him what his thoughts were. I'll read what he said. I'm not going to mention specific names, but he said, quote, I think the article was well-written, and the professor's points are spot-on. What I see happening uh, is that outside investigators will be able to bring in a new direction to this investigation in a few weeks without the racial pressure the Arcata Police Department has had. This new path will include arresting those that assaulted Kyle. Once they do this, I believe the truth will come out quickly if it's handled correctly. This is what we've wanted for quite a while, and in reality, I believe what we want is also what Josiah's family wants, the person who murdered Josiah brought to justice. Thad, uh, what are your thoughts on that response? Well, I I would say a couple of things. I mean, first, um, at least from from my conversations with Arcata Police Chief Tom Chapman, the outside investigators that are coming in aren't coming in to take over the investigation or even really participate in it. They're coming to kind of review the case files um, and review the the investigative processes that Arcata Police Department has gone through and offer suggestions and advice. Maybe point out things that APD could have missed or things that they could do differently or strategies kind of moving forward. So ultimately, it's going to be the Arcata Police Department and the Humboldt County DA's office that makes these decisions as far as who's charged with what and when. So it's not as though somebody's going to come in in a vacuum not susceptible to the racial tensions at play in this case. And the other thing I would say is as far as, 
you know, his belief that this will lead to assault charges, even aside from kind of all the um, strategy questions that we just talked about, I think just from preliminary hearing testimony that I saw, I, d I don't know that you have enough consistency in statements to pursue or prove an assault charge against anybody involved, really, unless there's statements and, and evidence that we haven't seen. Because as, as you alluded to earlier, just the testimony in this case was, was kind of all over the place and much of it in conflict with each other. And like you had said, it's up to the Arcata Police Department and District Attorney's Office, Maggie Fleming's office, to ultimately decide on that. In your article, you also mentioned Kyle could be tried again if new evidence comes to light. That's something a lot of us knew, but uh, maybe it was a misconception out there, people thinking double jeopardy applied in this case? Yeah, I think that was a certainly a misconception that was out there, at least directly in the aftermath of the charges being dismissed against him. But in California anyway, I mean, double jeopardy only applies once a case goes to jury. Um, and so this case was, you know, was dismissed at an evidentiary hearing level. So there's nothing preventing prosecutors from filing the exact same charges against uh, Kyle Zollner again in the future if they feel like there's evidence to prove them, and then moving forward. All right. Well, Thad, thank you so much for your analysis here. Is there anything else you'd like to mention? No, I, I guess I would just say that I think it's, um, as has been widely reported, I mean, it's just a really complicated case. And I think a lot of it will probably hinge on forensic evidence once they get um, full lab results back from the Department of Justice. And that could take some time. So I think it's really hard, but I think everybody involved is probably going to have to exercise some patience and, and just hope that the truth comes out in the end. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your wise words, Thad. Award-winning journalist Thaddeus Greenson of the North Coast Journal. Really appreciate it. Anytime, Al. Thank you. Humble. Last. Week.